that's it. We are live on the internet. How's it going? Good. How are you doing? Fantastic. So how many weeks in the, the quarantine are you now? You know, the, the, the truth is, I don't know. <laughs> I, I keep, I think uh, it's almost every other night I say to my wife, I'm like, how far into this are we now? And right. she, yeah, she, she can keep it to the day. That's I, impressive. Yeah, yeah. She'd be like, oh, it's like, you know, day 22. Uh, I, on the other hand, I'm like, what has it been, three weeks? She's like, no, we're on week four, going into the fifth. I'm like, what? No way. Uh, yeah, so it's, this is, this is bizarre. It really is. It's like I'm living in a bizarre world. And it doesn't look like it has any end in sight, right? I mean, this seems like it's going to go on for, for a while. Yeah, I mean, a lot, you know, I, I've been hearing, you know, I'm in New York, and, and right now they're saying that my county, that I live in, Suffolk County, is now the new epicenter of the, of the virus. So yay for oh, us. No. <laughs> yeah, you know, hey, you know, it's, a, it's, it's something about my county that I can be proud of, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like being flat, proud of Florida for any of the number of things that we should not be proud of. Oh, yeah, exactly. I, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I guess the, the end isn't as nearly in sight for us, I think, because, you know, now now we're supposedly, you know, nearing the peak here, whereas they I guess they thought New York City peaked a couple of days ago, but then they had more deaths uh, yesterday than they had had in any other day. So, you know, the, the thing is, you know, with these numbers, you, you don't know. You're not going to know. Honestly, you can't really do the analysis until after the fact. So we could say we think we're here. We can say we think, you know, oh, we're, we're nearing the peak. But I, I, it's not until you go back and look at the data that you go, okay, that's when the peak was. And, you know, so and I think you fall into a problem when, when you deal like I, I've said this often. I actually had a blog post about this that, you know, science is great, but scientist messaging is terrible. So scientists are very bad and the science community is very bad at messaging and getting the message out. And when, when we do try to get the message out, I think sometimes it comes across as being, you know, pretentious. And I, I, I think that we have a hard time relating with people. And that's why, you know, I love people like Neil deGrasse Tyson because he, he, he makes science relatable. And, you know, I was a science teacher, so that was my job was to make science relatable. But even I have, I have a hard time getting, you know, these ideas out because scientists understand certain things inherently that other people don't. And, and that's, that's a given, you know, with any expert, you know, you're going to have people understand things and then, you know, how good at you are, are conveying your message without being condescending. And I think a lot of times people take it when, when you, especially in science, that when you, when you tell someone a truth or, or something that we know to be a fact, that they may not know that the second you do that and you challenge what they may already believe that now you're being condescending or you're being, you know, you're putting them down. And so that, that messaging becomes an issue. And the other issue we have is that people want definite answers and science actually isn't about that. And we think it is because every scientist portrayed in, in TV shows and in the movies, you know, if, if you ever watch them in a movie, the scientist is always, you know, portrayed as either the evil person who, yeah. who has no scruples and is morally, you know, ambiguous, or they have the exact answer at the right moment. And it's like, you know, Eureka. And, and, and they're omnicompetent, right? They're, they're good at biology, physics, chemistry, like, like 
a, a quote unquote scientist knows everything sciencey on earth. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm pretty lucky. I, I have a pretty solid background in all the sciences. So, you know, I'm, I'm obviously my, my background is in biology and specifically um, genetics and, uh, you know, and a little, and, and chemistry. So my background in bio and chemistry are great. And, you know, I can speak as an expert in those two fields, but, you know, I know a lot of physics and I was, I was only, uh, I think six credits shy of getting certified as a physics teacher as well. So I do know my physics. In fact, the, the one thing I stink at is geology and that's just because I hate rocks. And, <laughs> yeah. So earth, the earth sciences I'm not as big on, but yeah, yeah. I mean, there's this, there's this impression that once you know science, you know, all of the science and, you know, and, and it's funny because my daughter was taking earth science last year and she would ask me some questions and, and my answer would be, I don't know. She's like, I thought you were a scientist. I'm like, but I don't know that, you know, it's like, yeah. So we, yeah, we're not, yeah, we're not omniscient. We don't know it all. And I think a lot of people, you know, take it that way. And so, you know, scientists don't like to say something's a fact until we've, we've deliberated on it until we've, you know, we've analyzed the data and looked at those things. And that's not how most people operate. You know, like, just give me an answer. And a lot of times the scientists can't do that. So I think what you're finding with this disease is that the science behind it is still, you know, it's still being discovered. And, you know, people want definitive answers and we can't give it. So then when you don't get that definitive answer and they see, you know, they almost see that like, oh, they're vacillating on this. And we're not, we're just, you know, we're taking it all in and we're trying to come up with, you know, some answers. And so I see that from the scientific community in this case, and I, I feel for them. Dr. Fauci up there speaking, I see him trying to, you know, temper his words in a way to, to try to, you know, because he understands this stuff and he knows the message he's trying to convey. And, you know, and I think he's a great communicator, actually. So that's, you know, it's wonderful. He does get right to the point. But yeah, that, that messaging issue becomes a problem. So when people want an answer for all this, it's hard. So like when you ask me, you know, you know how, how's everything going? You know, I, I, it's hard to put your finger on it and say, you know, specifically where things are. So one new thing that um, I've been hearing more about and in contradiction to what we initially heard from, from the CDC, but there seems to be a movement in the other direction now, um, is about masks that, that um, all of the, the smart people that I've been hearing um, talk have been saying that, yeah, it's true, masks aren't going to help you, but masks are an important part of, of stopping the, the spread of this because they keep what you have from going to other people. So, you know, theoretically, if everyone wears a mask in public and around each other, then, then we slow the transmission of the disease. Um, you know, my mask protects me from you and your mask protects you from me, um, even, even homemade ones. Um, so, yeah, I've been, that's, I guess from, I, I meant to mention that earlier, but from last week to this week, uh, if there's one new thing that's been developed, it's that uh, a lot of, uh, I've seen a lot of smart um, scientists, virologists, especially internationally, saying, you know, uh, yeah, I don't know what, you know, certain organizations are saying, but yeah, masks are important and uh, people should be wearing them. Yeah, I, I you know, it, it would be smart to wear a mask anyhow. You know, when they say it doesn't help you, I, I think that's that's a generalization. I mean, it can help you. I'll be honest. You know, um, if you if you think of what cloth is, it's just a bunch of fibers that are all woven together. So they they form this like matrix of of like it's like a organized tangling is basically how you think of a cloth, right? So if you have layers of cloth, 
that virus, which is a tiny particle, it has to navigate through those through those fibers to get to your to get to your mouth. And so it can get stuck in those fibers. So you you're providing a physical barrier. I mean, that's that's why you have you know you have hairs in your nose and the back of your throat and you have these surfaces in your own body that do that same thing, that they, they provide a physical barrier that can capture viral particles or, or bacterium and things like that to prevent it from getting into your actual cells. So if you put a mask on, that can serve that function. Um, and it works the other way around too. So like if, if I'm infected and I'm breathing, most of the viral particles now are gonna be trapped in that matrix that the, that the fibers make. So it kind of works both ways, although it's the efficacy is greater on the end of the person infected because when they're breathing out or they're coughing or sneezing, they're not um, the viral load that they would be expelling is actually decreased because a lot of it's being captured by that mask. So um, and so that works much better on that end than it would on yours. It's just the law of averages. Um, but if you're talking about, you know, viral load as far as getting infected, because I think we talked about this last week, in order for you to get infected, it doesn't take one virus. So it, it takes a certain number. And that load is dependent upon every different disease has a different viral load. Um, usually in novel viruses, in this case, this is a novel virus, the viral load is smaller because your body has no natural defenses for it yet. You know, we, we have no built up immunity yet for it. Um, so as a result of that, the, the load's usually smaller. So anything you can do to, to lower that number is great. So putting the mask on for yourself, yeah, I think, I think it's effective. But the problem is, is that if you have this mask, now let's say the mask did capture the viral particles. How you take that mask off is just as important as the fact that you had it on and, and, and what you do with it. Because if you take it off and, and you know, you're, you're handling it, you know, from the front and everything. Now those viral particles that were stuck in the mask can transfer to your hands and then you can hear them touching your face and that transmits it back. So I, I think that the caution they give about the effectiveness for you is based on the fact that most people don't understand spiral technique and don't really practice it very well. So you wouldn't know how to, how to use that mask effectively on your end. So I think playing the law of averages, yeah, it's, it's much better for the person who's infected to prevent the transmission than having it on you, preventing you from being infected. And if we all assume that we're all infected, right, because that's a good way to operate, then the idea is that we should probably all be wearing masks all the time, right? Um, so, there was something else I was gonna say about that. Oh, you know, but societally it's weird, right? The idea of wearing a mask, you, I can't see your face, I can't, um, you know, you can't see mine, it's hard to, it's kind of scary looking. Um, I think it's going to be hard for people to get over the societal shift that, that's required for everyone or a lot of people to wear masks regularly, you know, like while we're hanging out, right? Um, I think that's, that's kind of a weird, weird jump, especially if we don't realize that I'm wearing a mask to protect you, right? That it's a polite thing. Like, I'm not doing it for me. Like, I've got this mask on because I care about you. Uh, I think when people get that idea, it'll help a little bit. But um, until people kind of get that, get that thought that the, you know, my mask protects you, then I think it's going to be a, a tough road for people. Yeah. And, and the thing is, you know, we're definitely not, especially in our society, we're not used to that. If you look at, you know, it's funny, over the past 10 or 15 years, if you've seen just, you know, pictures or footage coming out of Asia, a lot of Asian nations, people have been wearing masks for years. 
And the funny thing is, is that, you know, we see that we saw that as alien. And I think now that's starting to change. We're starting to see why maybe they were doing that. And Asia has had much more experience, honestly, with, with, you know, pandemics themselves or endemics really. And, um, so they, they've had experience with this. So that experience has led to a cultural change for them where they wear masks more often. And I, you know, the, the thought process there is, you know, protecting us all. And, and that is, that's the truth. I mean, you, you're wearing the mask, not just for you, you're wearing it for everybody. And yeah, we should be treating it that we're all, you know, we're all sick. I, I know we talked about this, I think in the first podcast that, you know, I, a lot of times people say knowledge is power and I say knowledge is paranoia. Yeah. And you know, that, that was the truth when I, you know, when I learned the microbiology that I had learned, it, you know, it, it totally freaked me out. And I've remained freaked out to this day. So when I would teach my students, you know, especially when we did immunity, I, you know, I would get them freaked out because I would tell them all different ways that, you know, you could get, you know, infected and remind them of the bacteria that's crawling all over the food that they eat and all over their bodies. And, you know, that everything, everything like it's infected and diseased. And um, so that's, that's a way to look at things. So, yeah, I mean, I, I actually, I see a positive in all this, you know, at the end of the day that we're going to realize that, you know, there's some things we could be doing better. You know, I know societally, you know, the idea of shaking hands is, is what we accept, but it's really terrible. I mean, touching someone else's hand and then that's, that's awful. I mean, we really shouldn't do it. And, you know, when I speak at schools, a lot of times people want to shake my hand and I always feel bad because I won't, I, I, I fist bump. I'm like, yep, here you go. Um, and, and that's not, I'm not trying to be rude and I'm, I just, I don't want to shake your hand. Right. And, <laughs> I just want to touch you. Yeah. Right. I mean, I don't mind making contact, but I want to make contact that, that limits my, you know, my, my chances of getting infected by any diseases you happen to be carrying. And, so, and you know, so, we all do. So do you think a fist bump is, is, is more, uh, more safe than a the handshake? Absolutely. And, and again, the reason why a fist bump would be better is using the back of your hand. So the back of your hand is much less likely to come in contact with your face. Um, most infection happens through uh, respiratory surfaces. So either your nose or your mouth. Um, honestly, most of it comes in through the mouth. And so if you've got it on your hands and then you, and you go to touch your face, you know, the likelihood of you transmitting those, those pathogens to your body is much, is much greater. So, um, if you want to limit that, you, then you limit the surface that you're touching with. So, you know, an elbow bump or, or a fist bump, you're going to, you know, it's again, it's like, you know, like I, I've said, it's like playing roulette. So the, the, the more things you do to prevent that exposure, the less bullets you're putting in the chamber. I mean, there's always bullets in the chamber. You know, you're going to get sick. You're going to come across a pathogen. The question is, what have you done to try and, you know, limit it? And, you know, so every little thing you do can make a difference. So, yeah, you think about that, right? Is, uh, you think handshaking is going to go away? I don't know if it'll go away, but I, I think you're going to see a lot more people, you know, you know, kind of reluctant to do it. Um, you know, like I, I've been reluctant to do it for years. You know, I'll have, like I said, you know, people and, and, and they, they'll put their hand out to shake and I just go, you know, so I think you'll see a lot more of that, you know, in general. And I think it'll be more accepted now too, because sometimes I'll get a look like, Oh, okay. He's not going to shake my hand. And um, so, or, or hugging, I'm, I'm not a big hugger. I, I love <laughs> hugging my family, but strangers, it's like, you know, I don't know. It's like that getting that close. I, I you know, and, and I, I think again, that kind of loops back around on messaging, right? 
like I don't want to come across as being cold and uncaring. And but I also don't have the time to explain to you why I don't want to hug you. And it's not that I don't like you. And it's not that I don't care for you. And it's not that I don't have, you know, empathy towards you. It's that I see, I, I understand the, the, the ramifications of what can happen if we do get this close to each other. And I, I don't want that to happen. No offense. Yeah. But I don't have time. To, you don't have time to tell somebody that. So, you know, it's, it's much easier to just be like, you know, they're going to hug you. You know, oh, I'll give you a fist bump instead. So, um, yeah. So I, I think societally we're going to see that, that change at least a little bit, which is a good thing. So. so I wanted to talk to you, um, those two things. One is, has your family, because um, I don't have this at my house, has your family started to get normalized to what's going on now? Does it feel more routine? Uh, no, oh. <laughs> I, think it's gotten, I think it's gotten worse. Um, I, in some ways there's a routine and it's, it's become a little redundant. Uh, absolutely, in that case, there's, there's some, you know, there's some redundancy that's just kicked in that that normalcy is now. I think it'll be a shock to go back to regular. Like my wife, like I said, she's a teacher and she's had to adjust everything. I mean, they, they built everything from the ground up in no time. I'm, I'm so impressed by what they've been able to do. And, but she's kind of settled into this new normal that she's used to now. And so uh, in, in some ways, yes, but in other ways, things have gotten, like my daughters, I can tell they're, they're getting so depressed. They're just like, okay, I, I kind of had enough of this. And, um, you know, I can see it. I can see like, you know, the, the, in the first two weeks, it was like, ah, yeah, we're, we're getting over this. You know, we're going to, we're going to get together, have family time and we'll watch movies. And, you know, and that's kind of been like, oh, you know, like it's slowed down. So in some ways, yes, we've adjusted and, 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 and found this new normal, but in other ways, there's been this kind of, I don't know, and like malaise that's that's settled over my whole family that's like ugh. like what are we doing today oh same thing as we did yesterday you know it's so yeah it's getting a little it's getting a little redundant and um you know I, i'm i'm looking for that you know that 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 break in the sky that you know lets the sun shine through and i, I haven't seen it yet and i keep getting questions from my friends too because they all, they all reach out to me like when when do you think this is going to end like i want your answer and, I, and i'm like I don't really have one, you know? So, and my, my, my family asked me the same thing. It's like daily, like dad, you haven't, no, I don't have an answer. I'm sorry. So, yeah. So it's, it's weird. It's just, you know, and that's why I think I have this problem with understanding, you know, what day is it? How long have we been into this? Cause it, you know, now it feels like forever. Right. Yeah. It feels, it both feels like it just happened. Like we're brand new into it and it's been going on forever. Like it's our whole lives. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, and, and so many things have changed that, like um, I went out this morning. Uh, today's my birthday, so. Um, oh, happy birthday! Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm old. Mine is in uh, ten days. Oh, cool! See, look at that. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. So it was my birthday this morning, and and I hate birthdays. I'm I'm not a birthday person, and my my family's known this. My wife has known this, and she's met me. Um, I I see no no point. I guess it's a scientist in me. I see no point in celebrating the fact that you know the anniversary of my you know my my first you know complete revolution around the sun. And um, I don't see any special, you know, I, I see, there's nothing, okay, we all do it. Like, you know, everyone who's alive has a birthday. So I, I just don't, it's not a big deal for me. And so my family every year asks me, what can we get you for your birthday? And I, I, I honestly answer nothing. I, I have you, I don't want anything. Honestly, I don't want you to go out of the way and do anything because, uh, you know, I, I, the day doesn't really mean much to me. So I don't. 
And the best, I, I told them this morning, today was the best. When I woke up this morning, because the last month we've been basically kept from doing anything, they couldn't go out and go shopping. They couldn't go out. And, <laughs> and so they made me things. And I was so excited. I'm like, this is it. This is like, I got homemade cards and paintings from like my kids. And I'm like, this is it. This is exactly, this is, this makes birthdays worth it. And my kids are like, dad, you're weird. You're so weird. And I'm like, no, this is, this is what I want. I'm like, I feel like I'm back in like, you know, you know, colonial times. Like my kids had to just make me a gift and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And, um, you know, so that, that part of the new normal has been great. And, but this morning I, uh, you know, my wife's like, what do you want for breakfast? And I've been the only one going out. I, I said, I want to limit any exposure for my family. I know how to, you know, practice, you know, some sterile technique. So I'm like, if anyone's going to go out, it'll be me because, you know, I have some experience with this. So, you know, I have my, I have my gloves, I have my mask and everything. So I went out this morning cause we have, the, I told you we have that little deli that's right by my house. And, um, I was like, I want breakfast sandwiches this morning. That's what I want for my birthday breakfast. So um, I went up there and, you know, it was weird. It, it felt out of place. And that would be a totally normal thing for me normally. Right. And, you know, and I walked up there and first of all, the parking lot was empty. And usually there's always a couple cars there and people there and it was just empty. And when I walked in and I ordered, a, you know, breakfast sandwiches, the guy's like, oh, oh, you want breakfast? And it was like bizarre because I guess they're not used to that. So, yeah, this, this new normal has become a little weird in some ways, too. You know, I'm with you on the birthday thing, by the way. I, I don't want anything. Um, I mean, let's be honest. If, if I wanted if I wanted something badly enough, I, I, I'd have bought it, right? Like, I, I, would, I would have it. You know, I'm an adult. I would, I would have bought it for myself if it was that important, right? Um, yeah. And, yeah, all the stuff you're going to get me is stuff I didn't want that much. So I'm good, you know. Um, I, yeah. told, I told everybody, I say this for Christmas. Um, I, I'm real hard at about it for Christmas. I, for Christmas, I have a strict don't give, don't receive policy. Like, I don't want anything. I'm not giving you anything. Um, we're good. Like, no, no exchanging. Um, and birthday, same thing. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I don't want anything. I want your company. I want your, your you know, I want, you know, um, I'd like to do something with you, but, you know, I, please don't give me a gift. Like, I'm, I'm good, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally the same way. And yeah. I, and every, you know, funny thing, every year I say the same thing. It's like, they don't believe me. And <laughs> like, oh, that can't be. I can't be, you must want something. And right. I'm like, no, I don't. And they'll be like, what, is there anything you want? And I'm like, like you said, no, I have it. And, right. you know, and if there is something I want, I, I usually think of it too late. And it's usually something practical, which again, my family doesn't understand. Like <laughs> I love practicality. So there may be a tool I need. I'm like, oh yeah, I could, I could totally use like, you know, a circular saw, you know, but that's, you know, who's going to ask for that or, you know, right. and so, yeah. So don't get me something just to just to get me something. And I've, I've tried to stress this every year. And every year, like my wife bends over backwards trying to find the perfect gift. Meanwhile, the perfect gift is like, you know, I don't know, make me breakfast. Would you just you know, right. give me a little note? She made me a card. She, she couldn't get out to the store. So she had made me a card this morning. I'm like, this is the best card ever. This is the best one. I was like, you should do this all the time. And they just, they shook their heads. Like my whole family, like, dad, you're weird. And I'm like, no, this is it. This is what I want. Right. So, like actual time and, and care. Exactly. Exactly. And oh, this this is funny too. So my five year old Melina, last yesterday she was talking. She knew my birthday's coming, and and she knew that you know today or it was tomorrow yesterday it was my birthday. And I said, yeah, you know, I'm I turned forty five today. So I told my daughter, I'm yeah, I'm gonna be old tomorrow. So. <laughs> 
when I woke up this morning, she wouldn't, she wouldn't kiss me. She, she, she stayed away from me. And I'm like, what's going on? So I tell her my mom, what's wrong with her? Why is she so upset? And it's the cutest thing. My wife said, oh, she's upset because you're not old. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, wait, what? She goes, well, you said you're getting old, you know, you're going to be old tomorrow. And I was like, yeah, I'm turning 45, you know, like halfway to 90. I, I feel like that's kind of, you know, old. And my daughter expected like for me to wake up as an old man. And, right, to be gray hair and yeah. Right. And, and I wasn't, you know, I looked the same as I did yesterday. And so she was, she was upset that I wasn't old. So, you know, she thought, that, she thought that'd be cool if you looked old all of a sudden. Yeah, I guess so. And, you know, of course I'm, I'm glad I'm, I, I don't look old, but you know. <laughs> yeah, so is she, or she will be, but yeah. Right, 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 right. So yeah, but good stuff. Good stuff. That is funny. So, you know, uh, you and I are both in the, in the water safety universe, right? And usually summer is, is the big push for, for everything, right? Um, for us as a business, it's obviously the, the entirety of our year. You know, we do all of our sales from, you know, middle of March, you know, beginning of April through the end of July. Like that's it. We, you know, 80% of our business comes from, you know, April, May, June, July, and that's it. We, we drop off like a, like a rock. The, the faucet shuts off um, at the end of July. It's actually kind of eerie. You go from being what some of our dealers call like pool fence boot camp, where you're working 12 hours a day, seven days a week, to it just, just goes away. And then you have nothing to do. Um, and, and that's our reality. And also on the education side, you know, it's when we do all of our, our press. It's when we do all of our marketing. It's when I'm doing videos all the time. It's when, you know, TV stations want to interview me and, I'm on the radio and I'm writing um, guest blogs for people and um, it's, it's the big pool safety time. Um, and I think, I know for all, all the nonprofits, it's when you're doing your, your 5Ks, your, um, your symposiums, your, your get-togethers, your, your golf outings, you know, whatever it is, you've kind of got these events that drive your, your nonprofit, that drive your, you know, fundraising. So, you know, how has this virus affected your your plans for the summer like what are you going to do how do you stay afloat how do you keep money rolling in what are your you know educational uh, outreach um things going to be like what's your what's your plan oh well so yeah this is this has kind of hit us really hard uh, you know the uh, luckily i mean as a foundation we haven't had to do much fundraising uh i i think we find ourselves in an you know a kind of a, an interesting spot in that after I had created the children's book, the children's book honestly financed the foundation for about four years. I mean, wow. we sold, yeah, well, I mean, we sold, uh, God, almost twelve or fifteen thousand somewhere in there of the books alone, and the ten dollars a piece, you know, that was that was good money. And you know, we have no staff other than me, and you know, everyone else is a volunteer. And you know, the school shows, you know, my my kindness shows, um, schools paid for. So that was, that was basically keeping the, honestly, that, that money is what kept the management side of things going, you know, the, um, you know, basically my salary and now with school's closed, <laughs> that's cut off. And, you know, so the, and the, and the book's been out for four or five years. So sales, you know, obviously uh, over time, it's going to slow down. And so, you know, fundraising for us had either been that or the schools and now I have neither. And so that's, 
yeah, that's that's a little bit of a challenge considering, you know, that's that's kind of what our main focuses are now. And the other thing is that this year we were supposed to, we had, we have been doing these water safety assemblies for years. And honestly, before our foundation got involved in doing them, um, Bobby Hazen was with the Long Island Drowning Prevention Task Force that he had created, and he was doing them separately. And then we got together and, and over the years of melded it together until we got to the point last year where we piloted our brand new program respect the water and this year we were going to unveil and and put out there our brand new water safety show and we were going to unveil it at the ndpa conference which is happening right now actually online which was supposed to be right now in fort worth texas and so we had all these big plans put a lot of money we put a lot of money into getting this all together and getting it all ready to go and totally shut off completely and can't get into schools so that's all been put on the back burner but of course all that money we spent is you know still out there it's not coming back and so you you combine all that and you're stuck with now you know i have no way to really generate revenue i mean i put out a the, the cool thing is i put out a birthday fundraiser so people ask me what i wanted for my birthday i'm like you know honestly if you could help support the foundation that would be great and I did this on Facebook and I, I, my initial goal was $500. I'm like, it'd be nice if we made $500. Well, I made $800 in the first day I put it out there. And I'm That's like, awesome. wow. Yeah, no, it was great. And so I was like, all right, I'll up it. All right, let's make it a thousand. And then it went right to a thousand. And I'm like, all right, I'll put it up to 1500. We made 1500. And then about a week ago, I'm like, oh, let me put it up to 2,500. And boom, we hit 2,500 um, last night. So, I was like, all right, that, that's the best birthday gift I can get. Um, so I think, you know, foundation's going to have to, they're going to have to kind of adapt and really use the resources that, you know, being online presents. And I think a lot of foundations are discovering this, that, man, we didn't really have an online presence before all this, and it's hurt them. And maybe opening their eyes to the fact that, well, as a foundation, you know, you have to think of a, a nonprofit I think a lot of people think nonprofit means non, non-business and non, you know. You know, I, I always think of nonprofits as a, a business whose only goal is to reinvest its profit back into the, the, the message instead of to the shareholders, right? So when you just, so in a business, you would distribute profits to the owners and a nonprofit, how I always think of it is that gets distributed into donations, right? Or to the cause. Um, and, and you're right. I don't think a lot of people think of it that way. No, and, and honestly, your interpretation is exactly what a nonprofit should be. Unfortunately, most people think a nonprofit means that, you know, you're basically, you know, you're living a life of, you know, austerity. And so there's this disconnect that, you know, oh, if you're a nonprofit, you shouldn't be making money. And yeah, you are, you're a business. And, you know, all, all the same things that apply to any normal business applies to a nonprofit, except like you said, I'm not... I don't have shareholders involved. I don't have anybody, but I, I still need to be solvent and I still need to be profitable. Right. So, yeah, so that's kind of a, you know, there's obviously there's that misnomer that, you know, this idea that you shouldn't be making money. Yeah, we, we have to make money. Yeah, if I to, if I had a nonprofit, I would do what you did. I would sell products and services. Yeah. And, I would do what I do now. I mean, that's, I mean, that's kind of how I'm wired, but that's, I, I would do what I do now. Just the money would go somewhere else. In fact, when we were, trying to figure out, because I wanted to do something, you know, more than just self-offense, right? So I was trying to look for a, a charitable arm and I was going to set up a, a separate nonprofit. But then I realized 
one, I'm not, not wired for that. And two, I can do the same thing in the, the for-profit apparatus of Life Several Pulpens through the Save a Life program. You know, we can set up a program and donate pool fences to, you know, families who have had fatal or non-fatal drownings or families that are selected by, you know, Live Like Jake or the NDPA, uh, which we do. And we do a ton of those every year. Um, and, and I can achieve that same thing, but through a, through a business, which is how I know how to work. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, for one, there's more than one way to do it. But yeah, like you're saying, um, if I was going to have a nonprofit, I'd be doing it exactly like you are. I'd be selling products and services to, to raise money to then, you know, do the things that my nonprofit wants to do with it. Yeah. I mean, and that's what we do. I mean, I, I, I'm not a business person at all. My, my wife actually has her, her, her uh, minor was business. So honestly, business side of things, even though I basically run the foundation, I'm always bouncing things off of her. Like what do I have to do here? And um, our, uh, on our board, our treasurer who happens to be our former au pair who actually watched Reese. So she was Reese's au pair, her nanny. Um, her name is Melina. She lives in Germany. And um, she's she's a part of our family. I, honestly, I, I named my my youngest after her, so that that should explain the relationship there. But um, she actually has a background. Her her degree, her master's, is in business. And so, honestly, she does most of that stuff for us, even over in Germany. So when people ask me who's your bookkeeper, I'm like, oh, she's a German. You know, <laughs> she lives in Berlin, but she does it all for us. But um, you know, she she honestly, it was her who helped set what we've done and you know our online presence and and the merchandise and stuff that we offer was all honestly almost all of it thought up by her except for the book i mean the book was my idea um and that that came from me although interestingly enough i was in germany when i had the idea for the book we were actually with her and i had actually gotten a, a message saying that our logo was a copyright infringement um you know the 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 re-stressed as superman and they're like oh you can't really use that and i freaked out and you know, we came up with a new logo that had Reese writing on the tractor and needed, I needed context to it that other people would understand. I mean, for us, it meant something because Reese loved tractors, but how do I get that across as a meaning in a foundation? And my wife's like, oh, well, if he's riding a tractor and it's kindness, he's cultivating kindness. And, and then I got the idea for the children's book. And the book kind of, like I said, it, it took on a life of its own. And it, honestly, and the book led to, you know, the animated um, pilot, which led to the, um, the water safety short that we put out and which is a part of the water safety program that now we're hoping to do in schools, which now has been shut down this year. So, but yeah, you know, circling back on this idea of how nonprofits deal with this, I think it's like what any business would have to do in, in these times. So, and I think a lot of nonprofits have discovered, unfortunately, the hard way that they need to adjust how they do things and that, um, you know, having an online presence and marketing and all that stuff is important and they need to treat it like a business and, you know, the business, I think businesses all around are, are being hurt by all this. And, you know, unless you're, you know, like, unless your job is to be online and is to do things that, you know, have been boosted by this particular situation, you know, we all have to adapt. And, um, you know, so that, that, that adaptation has been a little um, tricky for, for me. I mean, I, my wife basically said to me, she's like, you're unemployed right now, technically. And I was like, that's, that's a good way to put it. I mean, I'm, I'm not speaking at schools. That's what I do. And, you know, th that, that opportunity won't exist probably until the fall again. And, you know, as far as revenue for the foundation, there's basically nothing coming in other than, you know, the few things we might sell online and um, you know, 
know, like book sales and then my online fundraiser. So I might, I might try another one of those because this one was so successful. And um, by the way, still, if any of my friends are on Facebook, it's, it's available until tomorrow. So if you want to donate to it, we've hit our goal, but I'm, I'm happy to go over it. And um, so, yeah, you know, hold I, on. If, so if somebody watching this wants to donate to that, what do they do? Oh, if they go to the, um, if they look up Cultivate Kindness on Facebook, the fundraiser is posted there too. So you can just go right to our, our page on Facebook and you can, it's, I think it's the first post down is you can donate to the fundraiser. So that would be great. Um, yeah. And I always tell people, you know, our, a hundred percent of our donated funds go to our charitable purposes. So any funds that are donated to the foundation go to what we do charitably, which is um, we do a lot. We do scholarships. In fact, I'm picking out our high school scholarships right now as we speak and our, our winners. We have a toy drive every year. We've, uh, we've collected over 35,000 toys for kids on Long Island in the past uh, six years. And um, obviously we do the, the water safety and the kindness shows for the schools. And well, I mean, we have a program called Paid Foodward where we provide meals and sundries for families going through a hard time. So, I mean, we do a lot. And, you know, I, I like to say that we, we can honestly say that 100% of the donated funds we get always go to what we do, you know, charitably. So it's not going to my salary. So I don't want people to think that the school shows do that. And like I said, I'm unemployed right now. So I'm <laughs> actually looking, no, I really am. I'm, I'm looking for the, the foundation is going to be furloughing me and uh, I'm going to be looking to take some unemployment until, uh, until this fall until I can actually get back in schools. Do you have a, a summer event that you guys do? Do you guys do any kind of, um you know in-person um coordinated uh, event usually no we uh summer's kind of quiet for me usually uh okay. you know since a, a lot of what we do is is focused around the school year for us so usually when schools are out things slow down for me so it's funny you know summer is the busy time for you it's kind of my dead time okay. because you know once schools are out a majority of what we do is is kind of you know put on on hiatus until the schools back open back up again so we typically don't do much in the summer um, as far as, you know, fundraisers, like we, we've had, we've had fundraisers. We did a gala last year for the respect the water and, but we did that in the spring. So most of the fundraising that we have done has been done either in the spring or the fall. Um, summer's actually a terrible time to raise funds. So, cause that's the last thing people are thinking about. They, they kind of want to go out and do their own thing. And um, so, yeah. Summer is not a great time for fundraising, so I don't know if a lot of fundraisers will be affected by anything this summer, but obviously springtime is huge. So springtime is one of the biggest fundraising times, and now, you know, I, I know of a couple of foundations just by us that have had their big fundraisers canceled, and, you know, that's a problem, you know, when you, when you count on those fundraisers. Like, I, I can't imagine had we, you know, it been two years ago or a year and a half ago when we did our, our gala, like, I can't imagine if we had put all that work in and it's gone. And then, oh my God, and those funds that you basically, you know, you count on a certain amount that you think you're going to make, that they're not there. And, you know, if you're not, if, if you're, if you don't have that insulation and you don't have those other, you know, aspects you can lean on to keep, keep your foundation afloat, it's going to be a problem. And, yeah. You know, I mean, not, you think about the NDPA, right. And, um, you know, I, I know the NDPA pretty well and I'm, I'm sure they'll be fine. Uh, but, you know, I know that a big part of what they do every year is this conference. And I wonder how many people decided to, to take that refund instead of go, instead of do the online version, um, probably a lot. And, uh, you know, that, that's, that's gotta hurt. You know, I mean, this is, you know, it's their big event for the year. Yeah. And, and, you know, 
it's funny because we, we were, I was supposed to go and, and honestly, and we had paid for a sponsorship table and all that stuff. And I had contemplated pulling our sponsorship money out. And then I didn't because I thought about my position. I thought, well, my gosh, if, if we were doing the same, I, it would kill me to see all this come out. So I'm like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to, I'll keep my sponsorship in and then, um, you know, let's, let's, you know, we're going to make the best of what we can with this, this online, you know, thing that they're doing, which honestly turned out better than I thought it would. I mean, they didn't have much time to put it together and they did a great job. It's, it's been, you know, I, I've enjoyed it, honestly. You know, I, I, I joked, I'm like, you know, this is great. I get to get all the content. I can sit in my, my chair, my, my PJs and, you know, multitask, you know, I'm doing other work at the same time and, and I can, you know, be a part of the, you know, the seminars that I wanted to see. So, you know, in that aspect, it was kind of cool. You know, do I want to do it every year? No, but, you know, they adapted quickly. So, like I said, you know, if you, you adapt, I think you, you're going to be okay. You, you know, you get through this. And I think the one saving grace for all of this is that we are all in the same boat. And this is worldwide. I, you know, I have family in Germany. You know, we talked to Melina. She's in the same same exact boat. She's supposed to get married at the end of June. We're supposed to fly oh, out no. there. Yeah, we're supposed to. We was, I have the tickets and everything. We're, I was supposed to fly out there. I'm actually officiating the wedding. So, um and my wife is one of the bridesmaids. My daughters are the flower girls. I mean, you know, it's, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I hate no. to say it. And, you know, but that's, everybody's affected by this. So I think that's the one saving grace is that because this is a universal, that I think the rebound will be, will be different because it's not, it's not one area here and, and, oh, you know, this person's affected, but this one isn't. I think because it's this shared pain globally, I think the shared recovery will be that much bigger. And, you know, I, I, I mean, that's honestly, it's just a hypothesis. I can't, I can't prove it, but I, I'm hoping that, that my guess is right. Cause I really think that because of the shared nature of this, which I, you know, I said to my wife, I'm like, this is, this is bigger than the great depression in the sense that the great depression really hit Western economies, but you know, there, there are other parts of the world that weren't affected. And because we didn't have a truly global, you know, construct at the time, but we do now. And if there was ever any evidence of the fact that we are interconnected, it's, it's through this. And I think that works conversely in the sense that when the rebound comes, I think it'll be also together because, you know, we've all experienced this. So that, that's my hope. My hope is that, you know, we'll come back from this, you know, even bigger and, and better. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I think a lot about um, it, reminding myself how, how global it is, because it feels very local, right? It's, it's all happening right here, right around you, right? You're thinking about your family, you're thinking, you know, you're in seclusion, you're thinking about who's coming in your house, like it all feels very small sometimes. And, you know, I'm used to hunkering down and getting supplies and prepping for a hurricane. And it feels like that, right? It feels like a hurricane with the power on um without the wind and rain right but it's kind of a similar thing you're, you're you know you're going to the store and you're getting you know everything you need and um you know you're preparing for this catastrophe and you're, everybody's focused on the news but the difference like you said is that it's not just happening right here like i can't evacuate to california to get away from this you know it's there too you know i can't go to japan and get away from this it's, it's there too it's uh there's nowhere there's no safe ground there's no higher ground i can go to to escape this uh this flood it's uh yeah I, th I think it it feels good because it's everybody 
But for me, actually, it kind of makes me more nervous because it feels like there's nowhere safe. Like I, I could go to the moon, you know, but, uh, you know, but short of that, you know, there, there's nowhere I can go to kind of get away from it. And that part of it actually kind of makes me nervous because, you know, with a hurricane, I always think, oh, well, if I had to, if it's category five, it's coming to my house, I could drive to Georgia if I had to, right? Um, there's no driving to Georgia for this. Like this is, uh, is everywhere. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, there's, there's, I guess there's always two ways to look at things. I mean, one of the, one of the, uh, one of the things in my wife's homemade card was that um, she said she loved my ability to always see the positive in something. And, you know, I thought to myself, I'm like, well, there, there always is. There's always, you know, it, it's like, that's alien to me. Like I can always find a way to find, you know, well, you give me the negative. Well, I'll give you the, you know, I'll give you the positive. I can, I can figure it out. I can figure out what the, you know, what the opposite is. So I, I tend to do that all the time in, in situations like this. So I see, you know, yeah, absolutely. I see, I see the suffering and I, I feel it myself. I mean, my sister, my sister, I remember two weeks ago, I got a text from her. Today's the worst day of my life. You know, she, she got furloughed. Um, you know, her, her husband, you know, they just bought a new house and, and all this. And I texted her back and I said, you know, I, I understand that it's, it's bad, but you know, remember we're all in this and you know, it's, it's not just you going through this. And I think, that that's actually a good thing because if it were just you, it's easy to dismiss one person. Right. I mean, someone, you know, think of walking through a city and, and you see a homeless person on the street, you know, most people just walk by because it's easy to dismiss them because that's the exception. But when it becomes the rule, then people think differently. And I think that to me is the benefit here is that we see that this is now the rule. And because of that, we have to work together. We're kind of forced to work together. And that's a good thing. And so my, my hope is, my, the, the, the person who always sees the positive in things, is that my hope is that people will, will learn from this and be like, and you know what? There's something to be gained from this too. And um, you know, we can do this together. So yeah, there is no way to escape. You're absolutely right. I mean, um, I have property in upstate New York, and I've always joked that, you know, I told my, my family, they all know, like, uh, in the case of the apocalypse, I'm, I'm heading up to my mountain. So um, my daughter joked with me the other day, she goes, Daddy, is it, is it time? <laughs> <laughs> is it time to go up on the, on the mountain? And I was like, well, I want to go up there, but no, it's not time to, you know, to, to, to go hunker down and get all walking dead. But, um, yeah, I mean, this is, uh, it's a shared pain. And I think, you know, there's things to be learned from it and um, actions have reactions and hopefully the, the, the reaction to this will be a positive and we'll get out of it quickly. So I hope so, because I know, you know, my positivity can only last so long, you know, I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm good until about September or October. And as long as things rebound by then, I should be okay. After that, then I, you know, then maybe I'll start to worry. And, you know, another thing that's good about it is that because everyone's going through it and because the cause is this thing outside anyone's control, normally if your business is failing or you see somebody in a hard spot, you can kind of say, well, what did they do to get there? You know, you, you, you made bad choices and now you're in a bad situation. But with this, you know, if you're a, a restaurateur and you're, you're out of business, uh, this is, that's not your fault. You, you literally, you could have done everything right. And this came out of nowhere and, and broadsided you. Um, and, you know, no one's going to blame you for that. So I think people are going to be more willing to help because the cause is, is so clearly, you know, no one's fault, you know? Well, yeah. And actually it's funny. I have anecdotal evidence that backs that up because, and it's funny how, how life has a way of proving these things. 
Um, this past winter when we did our toy drive, um, we've, we've had a family that um, every year they do a, a, a big, a big holiday party. When I say big, I'm talking like, you know, hundreds of people. They, they have a whole like tent put up behind their house. It's heated and it's like, it's crazy. I mean, they go, you know, way overboard and which is great. I, I shouldn't say overboard in a bad way. And the, um, the, the one prerequisite they have for every guest who comes to their party is that they all bring a toy for our toy drive. And I honestly, I collect more toys from this family that does this one simple act than almost any of the other. I mean, we have like over 70 locations that we have toy drops and they almost match what I do in those 70 drops. I mean, it's, it's incredible. And so this year when I went to go pick up the toys, um, their, their party gets bigger and bigger every year. So I, I tend to get more and more toys every year. I'll never forget the conversation I had with the um, with the, uh, the the father. He he said, "Oh, this you know the economy's doing great. I mean, you, you know, you must be you know it must be your biggest year for toys." And I looked at him. I said, "Actually, it's the worst." And and he's like, "Really?" And I was like, "Yeah." And I was like, "In my experience in doing this, as the economy gets better and as people are doing better, they give less." And almost every nonprofit owner I've spoken to will tell me that in return. Yeah, when things are going well, nonprofits suffer. And I was like, I know the answer. Like it stuck right out. I was like, because when things are going well, we tend to self-project and think, well, if it's going well for me, it's going well for everyone else. What I don't need to do as much. So if and and that's just it's not selfish, it's it's human psychology. And and he's, he looked at me, he goes, really? And I'm like, yeah. I was like, our, our toy, our toy donations are down. A couple of the foundations that do toy drives, they all reached out to me this year. I'm like, are your toy, you know, your numbers down? I'm like, yeah, they're, they're down. I mean, we had our biggest year only because we added more locations, but our, our, you know, the, the net we got from each location was down by quite a bit. And, um, you know, I've done on Facebook, I've done this birthday, you know, um, fundraiser every year. And I've always made a couple hundred bucks. And I was like, that's great. This year I put it out and make $2,500. And why? Because there's this shared experience. So I think that's where I get my positivity from because I see it. I see that when we share a pain, then people's understanding of it becomes different. And we're more apt to, to respond in a way that reflects our own experiences. And so that's where the, the positive side of this comes out in me. And that's where I think, you know, yeah, we can definitely take this and, and learn from it and, and do better things. So hopefully that's the case. Awesome. So uh, wrap this up. Last thing for me. Um, if you see somebody wearing a mask, thank them for protecting you. And if somebody comes up to you without a mask, say, hey, uh, back up. You're not wearing a mask. How dare you? How dare you talk to me with your face in my face without a mask? That's so rude. Um, and uh, and, and yeah, anything, anything you want to share with, with folks? So they, they got to go donate. They got to go to Cultivate Kindness. And today is the last day for them, whatever day today is. Whatever day it is, is the last day. Whatever day you're watching this is the last day. They go to the <laughs> Cultivate Kindness Facebook page and donate to their, uh, their fundraiser. Um, so you should do that. It's just Cultivate Kindness on Facebook. Easy to find. And, uh, and yeah, definitely you know, break, break his record because they deserve it. And uh, and they need to donate more, more toys and, uh, and spread more kindness around the world. Well, thank you. And yeah, absolutely. You can go to Cultivate Kindness on Facebook or you can go to our website, respectlife.com. It connects to our Facebook page and you can see the fundraiser there. I don't think I can share it any other way, but um, if I could, I would. But um, we'll, yeah. We, we, we'll, we'll put a link in the, in the comments. How about that? So 
that'd on be Facebook cool. at least and YouTube. We'll we'll have a link to it. Yeah, that'd be cool. So yeah, and I, Eric, I love your idea. And you're like, if you see somebody wearing a, a mask, thank them. And you know, because they're protecting you, right? That's that's right. what it's for. And and if they're they're not wearing a mask, I, I don't know if I would. <laughs> I, I'm not, <laughs> I don't know you. if I'm brave. <laughs> I don't know if I'm brave enough to be like, oh man, you know, thanks a lot. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I certainly uh, I certainly would thank someone who's wearing the mask. And I don't think it's bad to think inside of your head that the person isn't wearing a mask. Like, oh, really? Thanks a lot. Um, yeah. But I have to say, when I went to go get my breakfast sandwiches this morning, um, a bunch of people came in wearing their masks. And then one guy came in, walked right behind me, not wearing a mask. I'm like, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, don't sneeze on me. Don't sneeze on me. Please don't breathe on me. So, yeah, definitely appreciated. So, you know what? That's yeah, the kindness. I think a lot of people are wearing masks and they're protecting them, which they do a little bit, like you said, right? It had, doesn't have a, a zero effect. Um, but I think if people really understood that they're doing it for others, for me, I think that would, that makes me more inclined. And you talked about the Asian countries, you know? Um, so I think. One of the reasons why you see people wearing masks in, in footage and when you're there is because they, they might be sick, they might have something. And if you, you know, have a coughing fit or a sneezing fit in those Asian countries and you don't have a mask on, people look at you like you're the devil, right? Like you've really just done something awful. Um, and we haven't built that into our culture yet. But like I said, I think if this goes on, like, like you mentioned, you know, this idea that you need to protect everybody else from you and that we're all in this together, um, I think that, you know, that might start to catch on. Yeah, I think that's, that's a great way to wrap things up. You know, that, that what better way to cultivate kindness than to keep your germs to yourself. So. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, your mask is a cultivate kindness. You should make cultivate kindness masks. Oh, you know, that's a great idea. But, you know, this is going to be another case of I made the mask and then the, the pandemic will end and I'm going to be sitting with, you know, 450,000 uh, N95 masks. That, that no, no, not N95. Do the, the hand, because all you need is the, the bandana. Do the ones that That's take right. 30 seconds out of a piece of cloth, have a printed piece of material that says, um, I cultivate kindness by keeping my cultivations to myself. Um, or or I, I spread kindness by not spreading germs or whatever it is. Oh, I love and, that. Look yeah. at you, Eric. Yeah, you print that. It's like I'm a marketer or something. And then you, you print that on the front. And, uh, and, and yeah, you, you, you know, this little homemade 30-second jobbies that, that do the job. Um, that's, that's what you need. Well, my wife has been selling these masks. She made me one. It's a Spider-Man mask. So yeah. I have my own little Spider-Man mask. Like, I, I think you're on to something. I'm gonna, I, you know what? I'm going to go downstairs and tell my wife, all right, get to it. Get those sewing yeah. machines out. Let's go. Yeah, we need uh, – you just need to print a piece of material. Yeah, I, uh, I spread kindness by not spreading germs. Cultivate kindness, respect. There you go. That's perfect. I, I may have awesome. to make a little meme that I put on Facebook today. Thank you. Yeah, and then, and then you can sell them on, uh, on the interwebs to raise money in, in lieu of your um, speaking gigs. See? Marketing. That's every foundation should do it. So. That's it. That's how you do it. All right, man. All right. Well, thank you, Eric. Good talking to you guys. Thank you, everybody. Uh, we will be back next week. And um, thanks. Thanks for doing this. This is cool. I, I enjoy it. It's a, it's a good part of my week. So um, yeah, I me hope too. you guys enjoy it too. And uh, if you want us to talk about anything or um, have any suggestions or if you think you might have uh, some insight to join us as a guest, uh, let me know and we'll make it happen. Awesome. Bye, y'all.